Hello, beautiful. You are listening to episode 82 of the Africana Woman podcast. Chulu is my name. I am a writer, self-branding coach, entrepreneur, and mentor. This show is the home of African women's stories. We share ideas, triumphs, challenges, and lessons from our perspective as women. Our library is a step to cementing our place in history. Her story... Your story is powerful. Thank you so much for tuning in. Welcome to all the new listeners and welcome back to the Africana Woman family. I have so much love for you guys. Please hit the subscribe button or visit AfricanaWoman.com to become an official Africana Woman visionary. We are 17, 17 conversations away from 100 episodes on the Africana Woman podcast. For the 100th episode, we will have a live podcast recording with a live audience. Obviously, that's you, ne? But <laughs> this is going to be held right here at Komushi Garden in Kabwe. If you want to be one of the 100 guests, Please go to the show notes and sign up. Listen, it's gonna be let up in this place. If you want to be a sponsor for this event, I'm not going to say no. You can also get in touch. The link is in the show notes. I know there's so many people that listen to the show that are not within Zambia. You're all over the world. And I'm so grateful for you. I see you guys. And, you know, wherever you are, I still want you to participate. So, Please, 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 you can send us a voice note on our hotline. Or if you have a burning follow-up question for a previous guest, send those through as well. And we will answer them at the celebration. And people are signing up. I'm so excited. I'm just seeing names coming in. I'm like, hey, hey. <laughs> so the 100th episode is coming up, guys. All roads lead to Kabwe on September 24th. See you there. Hey, confession. It's confession time. I have been truly and really <laughs> in the conversation you are about to hear. You know what? So basically, my goal has been let me try and get our conversations or the episodes to 30 minutes. Because I know you guys are busy. Yeah. Either listening to it when you're driving to your to work or driving back home. So, you know, you've got like a specific amount of time and you can't listen to the whole thing. And it's like, eh. So I've been trying to get these episodes down to 30 minutes. <laughs> okay. Come one table. <laughs> and the topic itself was so juicy. We talked for one hour, 30 minutes. I know. Unruly. This is just one of those guys that you will have to listen to in segments, like press pause, come back. That's it. That's it. So the crux of our chat is education. Oh, you people, I love this topic. Like I, yo, I love this topic. And what's even better is Tebuho was ready to go in deep, you know, deep, that deep, deep on the topic as well. <laughs> now, here's what you need to know about our guest this week. Tebuho Kangote III wears a few hats. However, professionally, she's an educator. She grew up in a small dusty township called Harangua in Pretoria, the capital city of South Africa. Her parents raised them with the belief that all people are equal and should be treated as such. They always made sure they were empowered by their constant encouragement and modeling of courage. Tebuho grew up being made to believe she can do anything she wanted to do regardless of who says what. 
After completing high school in the mountains of Macau, which lends itself on the borders of Northwest and Houteng province, her parents had no objection of her pursuing a jazz and popular music diploma. And fortunately, life had other plans. Her father was retrenched and she could not complete the course. That is when her childhood fantasy of being a teacher was realized. Tebuho got a scholarship to study BRF at... UNISA under the Tandulwazi internship while interning at one of the best schools in South Africa, St. Stithians, for the duration of her studies. Zambia was chosen for her by God or fate, who knows. Tebuho fell in love and got married to a Zambian man, which is why she currently resides in Lusaka, Zambia. Please enjoy the conversation. to welcome Tebucho to the podcast and Africana Woman Mike. Hi. Hello, hello, hello. I'm so happy to be here. Oh my gosh, I'm beaming. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> I am good. I'm good. I like I'm happy. Like yeah. I'm over the moon. I just can't wait to get started. I'm happy. I'm happy. How are you? I am good. I'm good. My eyes are puffy, but it's okay. We'll get through this. <laughs> so just guys, so that you same WhatsApp group. It's okay. In the morning, and I usually record in the evening. And I was telling Tabuha, I'm like not a morning person. Like I wake up early, I do my meditation, my prayers, and all of that stuff. But I'm just like, just give me a few hours. To you know, <laughs> before I can be exposed to humans, so my eyes are puffy. You know, it's like a whole situation. But she is glowing. I just love it. <laughs> uh, oh, thank you. I'm a chatterbox in the morning. <laughs> I open my eyes and I start talking. Like I'm, I'm that person. Yeah. So okay, I understand. Let's, it's okay. <laughs> um, what is your favorite childhood memory? Wow! Oh my gosh, you took it right there. Um, I remember the first thing that came to my mind when you said that, my dad took us to Cape Town. Um, and it wasn't like a regular thing to happen like in our neighborhood or even just like family, you know. He saved up so much money and took the whole family, like four kids and a wife. That That, that must have been like quite expensive if I think about it, like in those times. I must have been five, so around 1995, and I remember we missed the train. <laughs> we missed because we were going by train. We missed the train, and we had to sleep like at at a hotel close by to the um, train station. And I wet the bed. I'm, I'm one of those kids that wet the bed until I was like seven or something. And I never forget that I wet the bed that night. But I think as a child, I didn't understand. But growing up and looking back, I feel like there's a lot of stress around that time, especially between my parents. Because when my mom retells that story today, she was pissed. She was pissed that we missed the train. Uh, but I don't remember that as a child. But as an adult, I'm like, oh, maybe I was feeling their stress. Maybe they were having a back and forth, like, you know, with the eyes and the words, and, and I didn't pick up on that. But, yeah, nevertheless, it was one of the best, best trips that we've done as a family. And 
there's even like a VHS uh, recording tape, you know, that one. There's even that at home, like back at home where we sit and we rewatch and we like, oh, look at that. We were on Table Mountain. We were on this when we were on the train. So that's like my best, best childhood memory. <laughs> I'm so sweet. Oh, that's such a beautiful memory. How many are you in your family? Like, how many siblings? So there's four of us. I'm the baby. I have (laughs) a big brother who is, like, in his 40s. A sister that comes straight after him. She's just about 40, (laughs) 5 to 40. (laughs) And a brother who is in his, I could say, like, late 30s, 36, 37. And there's me, the baby, who's, like, 31. Uh, but tell us a little bit more about the jazz and music. Like, what? how did your love for that grow? Wow. Okay, so growing up, being the baby, it was quite natural for me to follow in a lot of my older siblings' footsteps. And my brother, who I come right after, is also in music. He's actually in the South African Army um, band. Uh, so... Growing up, he was really fond of music. But anyway, my dad is the type of person who listens to everything. Like even me today, if you ask me, what kind of music do you like? I can't just say like one genre. We listen to everything. So growing up in such an environment, being very active in church, in the choir and everything, I just grew around music. And so in primary, I was in the school band. I played a recorder for like seven years. Like that's the whole of primary, if you think about it. And I was in the choir the same duration. And I went into high school and my parents were like, your brother is doing this um, Saturday schooling. Like there was a music school that used to come and get children who were really good from our school in the village and invite them to come and study in in town. So my brother was one of those people. And when I went into high school, like, they're like, do you want to do this as well? I was like, yeah, definitely. So I went into that. So Saturdays, we were never home. We were at the music school. And there I played a flute so I played classical flute the whole duration of high school. So that's like another six odd years of playing another a different instrument. But I did hold back with the singing. I only did it in church and like youth groups. And when I finished, I had so much love for music. I was like, I want to do a jazz and popular music um, diploma. This is what I love. And at the same school, the Tony University of um, Pretoria, my sister was uh, studying uh, drama. So it was quite natural. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, how could she want to do like a jazz? You know, it was just around us. It wasn't like weird for me to have thought to do that. And so when I said it, they're like, oh yeah, okay, cool. And that's how I went into jazz and popular music because I think there wasn't the classic one at the school they was they were not teaching classic they were teaching the jazz and i fell into the jazz like that and yeah i did that i didn't like jazz flute much so i so i switched <laughs> i was one of those people and i did jazz vocals instead so most of it wasn't like me singing jazz and then yeah life happened so i had to stop but yeah 
But how was That's that how it happened. Um, when you had to let go of that dream? Do you think that, oh, I'll come back to it another time? Or, you know, how was that transition into, okay, I'm going to go into education? Ooh, it was hard, I must say. Um, realizing that I can't continue, it was very hard because... Uh, my dad was retrenched and it wasn't immediate after he was retrenched. It was like a couple of years later on and money started running out and, you know, you see things changing at home. And I think I had to be quite matured with saying, I'm going to stop. My dad always said, no, we'll take a loan. You can finish it. You go, you know, but I was like, Mm, do I really want my parents to go through this? Like I can already see that they're struggling, you know what I mean? So yeah, I I had to say it to myself and be like, I'll be okay. Although I didn't know how and what exactly I was going to do, but I had to just be like, I'll be okay. And I stopped. I told my dad I'm stopping. He wasn't really like excited about it because he just felt I can do something. I, I surely can do something. I can go to a bank or something, but I can make a plan. But yeah. And I stayed home for, for a good year before I got the scholarship. I tried so many things. I remember I, I worked at a bakery for one day and I was like, nope, this is not me. You know, I tried a few things before I found the education actually uh, advert. And I was like, hey, actually, I... I, I really used to think of myself as a teacher and I remember just playing with my teddy bears and they were the kids in the class and I was the teacher and I was telling them, you need to do this. And, you know, and I was imitating my uh, teachers back in school and I, I just went back to that child and I was like, actually, this, this person lives in me somehow. And that's how I applied. I applied. I was called in and out of a lot of people that I applied and I was like, okay. And I did it and I got in and I was like, this is my shot. This is my shot. I'm not paying for this. So I better make it work. And yeah, that's how I landed into it. Yeah. So I'm just going to do like a, a little deviation. I feel like, um, and I don't know if it's like a Zambian cultural thing, especially since you're the youngest, I feel like, you know, the oldest siblings would kind of be asked to step in and say guys can you help her like you know um sponsor her and things like that is that a culture thing i'm thinking maybe this is a zambian thing that we do (laughs) (laughs) black techs Mm. we know all about that It is present in South Africa. It's it's a it's a culture thing, I think, because like your success is not just your success. It's also for everybody else beneficiary. But my father grew up in that. He's the firstborn of seven children. And he went through that and he helped put through uh his siblings through university or college and whatever and he never got that opportunity and I don't think his parents were aware that as he's been asked you know to continue working in the mines or whatever to step in he was missing out on what could have been opportunities for himself but he was he was providing for his younger siblings like my aunts like have degrees and whatever and my father has like a pile of like certificates that he did like two months here like three months there and six months there But that 
taught him not to require it from us. So he raised us and he still does it even today. Like if I call him and say, hey, I heard you don't have one, two, three. He'll be like, nope, do you have bread in your house? You know, he's not easy to just allow us to like be providing of him. He he says like the fact that all my children are able to sustain themselves outside of my assistance, then that means I've done my part. How I survive, how I like sort myself, that that shouldn't be your problem. And I think it stems from how he was raised. So, yeah, it was never a question of my sister needs to step in and help me out and whatever. When she could, she did. Like even today, like if I if I cried to my sister, like she would she would my sister would fly here right now, you know. But then it it was never a, you have to help your sister. You have to, you know, you better stop what you're doing and your sister needs money for university. Put it together. No, <laughs> it was never that. <laughs> so thank you for sharing that. So even though you're a teacher now, do you still dabble in music? I actually... I'm trying to go back into it. Funny enough that we're having this conversation right now. Um, Yes, not yesterday, on Thursday, uh, we had a concert at work. And I was like, hey, um, you know, this is my forte. I really love performance. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, I'm I'm a different human being when it comes to the stage. Like, I just love it. It just, it's natural. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm happy to help with anything. And I was asked to sing the national anthem or uh, the Zambian national anthem uh, as we started the ceremony. And my husband was laughing at me. He's like, you are singing the national anthem, babe. I don't know all the words. And you are singing the national anthem. Like, who's the Zambian here? I'm like, well, there you go. So I am trying to get back into it. Like I said, accepting that I couldn't study music was very hard on me. And I stepped back. I did step back and... I stopped doing a lot of the gigs that I was doing. Like, it's so funny to study music. You study, but you're also practicing. You're always called in to do a show here, do a, you know, and it's, that's the fun part of it as well. But when I stopped, I was like, I don't want even anything to do with it. Yeah. So I'm trying to get back into that. Yeah. So talking about your husband, tell us about Lerv. I love it. Good- Thursday. <laughs> so Mashiba is his name and true to his name, he's quite calm. He's the calm to my storm because I am a storm. <laughs> Not always, but yeah. Um, so he's um, born and bred Bemba uh, Zambian from Ndola. Um, he grew up, I think with, he has three siblings. So there's also, there's four of them there, but he's like number three. So he doesn't get all the Lesbon stuff always, but yeah, he moved to South Africa for work and that's where I met him at church. Yeah. So yeah, that's how I met him. It's so funny to tell the story of how we met because it doesn't sound real, but we lived through it and you know what, whatever. Um, I sat next to this guy in church around Easter and I was just 
hypnotized. I just like, I didn't even see his face because he's taller than me. So I could see like from his waist down, I saw the jacket he was wearing. I saw the pants he was wearing. I saw the shoes he was wearing. I heard his voice. I smelled his scent. And I was like, "Mm." (laughs) I was like, oh, Lord. Doing one of the readings, so I got up and went to the pulpit and did one of the readings, and he saw my face. So that's when he saw my face, but I never saw his face. And then I went back and I sat where I was sitting, which was next to him, and we finished. We are Roman Catholic. We finished the mass and we went home. And I thought, Lord, am I gonna meet this man again? Because what I was feeling, I don't understand that. And yeah, it so happened like a few days later, I wanted to join the youth group. I was new in the community. So I wanted to join the youth group. Um, and he was the chairperson and he was the person that I was sent to, to say, hey, my name is Tepo Ho and I'd like to join the group. I was told to talk to you. And he was just like, yeah, give me your number. I'll put you on the WhatsApp group. <laughs> And that's how he got my number and everything is just as it is. <laughs> that's how the story started. So, yeah, I sat next to this wonderful energy and this, that's it. And he told me later, I never connected the pieces. He told me later that, do you know, first time I met you, you were reading in church. And I was like, are you the guy that... Are you? Wait, hold on. So yeah, I didn't know for like a few, I think months or I don't know, weeks maybe that it was him. Yeah, yeah. I love a good so, love yeah. story. <laughs> so wait, <laughs> are you, like you do like two weddings, like one in Zambia, one in in, in South Africa, or what was it? It's always hectic, guys. People who marry are, like from different kinds. No. I just don't know how you do it, guys. <laughs> I mean, for me. I personally love it because then I'm like, oh, I get to travel to this country and to that country. Yes, <laughs> two weddings. I can't imagine how stressful this for you. <laughs> I tell people today, and I'm like, if I am to get married again, I'm not doing all of that. Like, I am rewriting the script for that part. I'm rewriting the script. <laughs> yes, we did two weddings. Yes, we couldn't get away from that. Um, we, we started in South Africa to respect my family as the lady and they followed all protocol. Cause for us, you have to pay, um, bride price and they really, really, really did. Like, I feel like, you know, um, my father-in-law really, uh, did the most to try and respect my culture being so foreign to them and how things like there were similarities, but like the gist of it was different for them. Um, he had to write a letter and send a letter and my dad had to receive this letter and my dad had to write back to say, yes, your people can come, come on this day. And they had to send some close um, relatives that live in South Africa to come to my house and talk to first my parents to say we've been sent, blah, blah, blah. And then my parents then say, okay, we'll organize the uncles to actually do the actual negotiations and you need to come back with your uncles, your representatives. And they went back and got the uncles and the whoever's the Shame, they really did the most, hey? (laughs) 
They did the most and they came back and they agreed. I think one thing that I also like, I think our dads were really good in this. One thing that I also appreciated with my dad, which has stopped happening and it's unfortunate. My father pulled me to the side and said, hey, um, you know your guy more than all of us. So how much is too much and how much is too little? Just give me a bracket. He didn't tell me exactly like what they're going to be asking, but just so he's like, I don't want to marry you into debt. We're not selling you. We, we're trying to see that this guy can take care of you. And that's all we're trying to do. So let's not like overwhelm him and he can't even do it, you know? Oh, already you guys, you're happy. We know like but the protocol and everything of it. So I gave him a bracket and they, they kept to it. I was happy that they really respected that. And yeah, he started saving and all of that. And then finally, so you have to give a little bit of something to show that you will be coming back. So he, they gave a little bit of something. And the second after that one, um, they came and we did the whole, like in the morning, they brought everything, the balance, they brought the gifts that we asked for. We exchanged, they got a goat because they need to be bloodshed. So they got a goat from us. I even named my goat because it stayed at home for like a good day or two. It was Whitey. And Whitey was just at the back. Shame, Whitey. <laughs> but anyway, they got their goat. And we went to church after that. And we came back. And we had a little um, uh, reception. So what we do, we block the street. So like that's like, because a wedding is like, for us, the neighbors need to know that your child is taken. No one, no one can come anymore to, to claim or whatever. So we block the street. Like we need witnesses. Like a wedding for us, you need witnesses. You can't say I'm inviting 10 people. Like it's not like that, especially culturally. So we did the whole that, the Tzana thing. And yeah, we went away for two days, Mashiba and I. And then we came back home. That was a Saturday. We came back home to like my home um, on a Tuesday or Wednesday. And then on Thursday, we are on a bus to Zambia. And it was hectic. <laughs> on Saturday, uh, on Friday evening, we arrived in Dola, I think. And so I was with my aunt, my representatives, my aunt, my uncles, and my parents. And we did a reception in Dola that Saturday. Uh, Sunday, we were on a bus back to South Africa because, oh, the other thing, he stayed back for two years. He stayed back after we were married because I was still on the internship. So we agreed, like, finish the internship and then you'll come. As soon as I finished my final exam, I don't think I even had my results. I was <laughs> on the plane and I came to site with all my... A katundu. You say katundu, right? <laughs> was, yeah. But yeah, we came on um, that same, the following weekend. And then we were back. And I was back in work on a Wednesday. It was hectic. Yes. Like. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's like, yeah. yeah, that's hectic. Bless you. Sure. <laughs> Right? Like, it was crazy. I was crazy tired after that. Yeah. Crazy, crazy tired. And it's so funny. They don't tell you how much you get to smile as a bride. My cheeks were sore. 
because you have to take so many pictures and like like who like how do you not smile yes you're excited but it's also like yeah i know right the whole time now everyone is now a cameraman because they've got their phones and you know their phones are taking right quality pictures so everybody wants to be the cameraman yes you hired your cameraman but no there's like 50 other camera people (laughs) and you're just like every every second it's like yes (laughs) but anyway (laughs) um yes (laughs) <laughs> let's talk about your um your profession now as an educator how has that been for you how many years have you been practicing you know i'm a new teacher i'm a baby teacher i've been teaching uh independently because i was an intern so i did like teaching for four years but as an intern so i always had a teacher in the classroom observing or uh, something with me but as an as as a like independent teacher qualified, it's been three years. So I'm very very new in like just teaching by myself. However, the internship really helped. Education for me on the side of a teacher because what happens is you always go back to when you were a student every day. Like it's like hey, but when we did it, man, we were not doing it like this or whatever. Like every time, so. As a teacher, education is, I can say it's, it's, it's so, it's good, but you get to see the cracks of it and how it can be improved and how it's forcefully not being improved, especially for um, certain areas, like in, in a, usually in a country or whatever, with certain demographics. So yeah, I've seen the 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 beauty and the ugly of education. Or I'm I'm slowly like things are being exposed here and there. The biggest thing for me is like I said, comparing my sort of education that I got. I mean, I went to school in a village with on a mountain. We had monkeys and stuff. But in our area, that was like one of the best schools. We were like a Roman Catholic school and it was renowned one of the best schools. Not anymore right now because like it was semi-private and the government just wanted like part of it. And, you know, after they got in proper, it just, you know, when the church didn't have a say anymore, like it just went all down. Their quality or maybe, maybe not the quality, the opportunities that I see being presented in the type of schools that I get to work in compared to the ones that even my relatives' children right now get to go to are so, so different. The difference is so huge. And it's like, how do you, how do you help with that? And I think maybe I'm, I'm dreaming or whatever. I'm not realistic, but I think um, informed parents can really, really assist with the gap because uh, such such opportunities or such education can be so expensive. And so to close that gap, who is responsible for that? My biggest thought or my, my reason or my example would be parents. What can parents do? Right now, the, the parents who are parents in school, they've got the cell phone, you know, they've got the smartphones, you know, it's a matter of choice and I know time, what do you say? Exposed, yeah. Ah, okay, great. I like it. Um, I feel like you're, you're being very delicate and um, let's just get into what are the issues? What are the differences? 
<laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's serious. Um, okay, so first, <laughs> get in right deep, deep inside. First and foremost, um, just the level. If I look at a grade one, I teach young children. So if I look at a grade one child in in the school that I, I work at an international school, if I look at a child in grade one at an international school and a child in grade one in a government school, the difference is so huge. In government school, they're learning how to write their name. They're learning their letters and they're learning uh, their numbers. In, in international schools or maybe some private schools, they know how to write their names. In grade one, they come in, they know how to write their names. They know the letters they know what the sounds, like there's this, um, like phonetics, you know, A is A, right? And B is B, you know, they know that, they know the phonetics, the sounds that each letter makes, which gives them an upper hand because a child that knows the sounds will know how to read. Because when you read, you use the sounds, not the letter names. But we are so happy as parents, like, oh, he knows A, B, C, D, and it ends there. And it's not just um, we, we, we don't want to teach them, but we don't know. We don't know. At home um, or even in schools, you go to government schools and phonetics is being taught like way later, like in grade two, and you're like, why? This is the, you should have your child know phonetics before they actually know the letters. If you can teach them the sounds before they know the names to the letters, you know what I mean? And reading is so important in the young age that people are not, or maybe parents are not aware of it. Like if your child can read, they can work out a math sum. Like they can read the problem and they can try and reason with the problem and make sense of the problem if they know how to read. Because when you read, then you comprehend, right? And when you comprehend, you can solve any problem that's given to you. So it's like for us in South Africa, education was, um, we had Bantu education and it was on purpose that it's that way because we had to learn in such a way that we will forever remain under some uh, white supremacy like it was just like that and that's how the system was put in place and that's why like we had the Soweto uprising because when people realized that hey the education we're getting and the one that you know children in private schools are getting is so different and it's actually putting us at a disadvantage they wanted that to stop has it really stopped you know, maybe in theory, but in practice, like you go to government schools. I used to do, um, and like maybe my reference, a lot of it is, is South Africa um, based, but I've seen a few patterns that are also here in Zambia. I've gone to like uh, government schools during my internship. It was part of what we needed to do, um, community service. You needed to go into a government school and give some lessons for a full week. And teachers are so... I don't even know if it's discouraged, but they don't have the passion anymore. You know, it's like, well, the government says I must teach one up to five. That's exactly what I'm going to teach. But when you have little Johnny who can go all the way up to 10, like what happens to him? For us in international schools, you don't teach the same thing to all the children. If I have a child who can advance, I have to advance them. 
if they can advance so much so that they need to go into like the next year levels um, curriculum, I need to let them do that. You know, if I have a child who's like in um, grade one or like we say year two, but their understanding is that of like a year three um, curriculum challenges, I need to allow them to do that. And I need to provide those things. But you don't find that in government schools. You know what I mean? Everybody's in year two or everybody's in grade one and everybody's going to learn grade one things. When we were learning um, in, in high school, I had a teacher who used to say, there's no way you can get 100% in a test, in an exam, whatever, because then that means you're the teacher. And that was like, that screwed the mind so bad. And you're like, but, but I understand 100% of what you taught. But it was like, I feel like it was also an ego thing more than anything. Because if you're going to reason a child understanding 100% of the material that you're giving, that it means that they know as much as you do, then you have the problem. You know what I mean? And so, <laughs> but those are the things we can't control. So what can we control? You know, as parents, we need to also really take part as part of the learning community. Learning happens all day long. It don't just happen in school. And this I also see in international schools, or at least where I've been, even private schools that I've been at, that it's like, well, I pay you X amount of money, so you sort it out. So it's, hey, it's a funny balance. Education is funny. It's funny. So, yeah, that's the gaps. There's so much. There's I, so much. I love the topic of education, guys, because <laughs> I can probably go on a whole rant about it for a long time. Right? I will try and drain myself in. But we'll see. But, you know, I think just from, like, what you were talking about, um, I'm just going to go back to what you're saying around um, reading. I think a lot of times what happens there is also a bit of a disconnect with when a child is um, reading and whether they are comprehending. Because sometimes the kids are sought to just like memorize. So they know the sounds of what is coming out, you know, what they're reading. But then when you ask them to, you know, like, oh, so what was the gist of the story? It's like there's Mm -hmm. no comprehension whatsoever. It's just... I'm just regurgitating that I've been taught to read X, 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 X. So I think there's also a gap in that space um, in terms of actual comprehension, especially when a child is beginning to learn how to read in, let's say, less resourceful schools. I'll call them less resourceful schools. (laughs) Yeah. And I think one of the things that I was always really blessed with is the types of schools that I went to. Well, I'll say more so primary it had the after-school activities, you know, so you got to be exposed to these different types of creative things, sporty things. Um, I think a lot of times, you know, let's say with government schools, maybe they just concentrate on, you know, sports. So if you're not a sports star, you're shame. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's like you don't exist in the school. And, but, you know, the, the opportunity to do, be able to do different types of activities that are diverse, I think it also really helps with expanding our children's minds in terms of the things that they can 
also possibly be interested in. You know what I mean? But I, you know, it, it's it's few and far between. Um, I think for me, I always say that you know, education for me is broken. The education system is is very broken, and I just wonder, like, when I look at teachers, and I'm like, but how do you feel? <laughs> Like, are you really aware of, like, some of the things that that have been, you know, those systems that have been put in place um, to make sure that, as as you mentioned, that we continue to remain disadvantaged as a society, as a people, you know? Um, I'm sure you've seen those pictures of where they they show, like, oh, a hundred years ago, um, the phone looked like this, and now the phone looks Mm -hmm. like this you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. you know you had to do the dial type of phone but now we've got our smartphones but then they'll say okay and then now let's look at the classroom from a hundred years ago and let's look at the classroom now and it's the same thing like how can education not have evolved over so many years many years yes drives me insane absolutely insane i don't even understand how the government can not can just allow the same syllabus to be taught that was taught in like colonial times like how dare you how dare you like exactly (laughs) exactly you i'll start with how women are excluded from these stories let's talk about history you don't have any heroines in the stories you know it's like oh women never did anything in in our history and that's absolutely ridiculous you know what i mean so you exclude people in like uh, when i was in high school you know um in his we had the choice of doing history or doing um geography you choose between the two now i was like so you people want me to learn about about like World War One, Hitler, and what I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that to myself. You, you <laughs> like, yep. why is that relevant to me as a Zambian? How does that make sense for me? You know, and it just yeah. I look at my son. So I've been privileged enough to have sent him to like private schools and things like that. Now these are schools which are in Zambia, but then they will not be teaching Zambian history, and I'm like. How dare you? There's so many things about education that really just pisses me off, to be <laughs> honest. Like, I could literally go on a whole rant. Anyway, let me conclude this by saying <laughs> that, like you mentioned, I believe that parents need to take a very active role in, you know, what are your children being exposed to? What are the um, other things that you can help them with? No, maybe your school, the school that your child goes to doesn't have the opportunity, doesn't have the resources, you know, to do the after school activities or whatever it is. But what can you do outside of that? And I think now more than ever, there's so many um, people that are organizing, you know, um, activities and uh, different types of events that are outside of the school, you know. So it could be STEM. It could be like uh, recently my son signed up for um, a kid's MBA, you know. It could be that where you can go and insert your child and so that they get the exposure, even though they're not, uh, they don't have those opportunities, you know, be it at home or um, be it at the schools which they're in. And then let's also just throw in this whole thing with free education. And, you know, but I do feel for for teachers because then, especially like in the government schools, you know, you're, you're packed, you're packed, like your classes are packed like this. 
And it's just like, I need to get through the day. <laughs> yeah. And how do I survive yeah. this? You know, so it's such a, it, it's such a, it's such a mess. And it's like, how do we untangle it bit by bit by bit? And everybody needs to play their role. I don't think, you know, I think there was a time when, well, there still is a time where parents just feel like, oh, I'm paying school fees or whatever, you know, so... I don't need to be participate in education in my child's education, but that's mm. not be the case because if a school does not tell people, does not tell the children about about women and you know their contribution contribution to society or anything like that, then you have to supplement that. If they're not teaching mm. about history that is actually relevant to us, then you have to supplement that. Like. Uh, I hear you. You know what? It's a catch-22 because um, you said something about like parents need to give give these opportunities to their children. And I 100% believe that because you taking your child to a school is an opportunity you're giving them. You have the choice of not taking them to a school. And so you made that choice and you said, I'm going to take my child to a school. Now, Another thing that parents seem to sometimes forget is that our children are only children for so little of their lives. We are raising adults. So what in adulthood do you want your child to be well equipped for? And that's what you teach. And those are the opportunities that you bring home, that you expose your child to at home. And it's not that people are not uh, doing some of these things. It's that they are not aware that they are doing some of these things. Let me give you an example. As a girl growing up, my mom made sure that I know how to do house chores. All of them call out a house chore. I know how to do it. And that was my mom, in not so many words, equipping me with something that she felt I will need as an adult. And she knew I needed to do those things as a child, first to make them so automatic to my being that when I am an adult and I need to prepare a meal for myself, I don't start running around and not knowing what to do. Oh, the shops are closed or what am I going to eat? Which takeaway, whatever. Like I knew to put things together in the house and prepare a whole meal for myself. If my clothes get dirty and I don't have a washing machine, she made sure that I know I can fill up a bucket and you know, and work with my hands in a certain pattern and in a certain way to sort out this problem that I have. These are not things that if I ask any parent on the street, like, do you teach your children to wash dishes? Like most people here in Zambia, they'll say, yeah, 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 my children, they wash dishes. Why don't you teach them to read? Why don't you give them opportunities to um, inquire into things that are going to help them as adults. Why don't we teach our children about money? Why don't we show them how much we make and how and what 
what goes into the house, how much you have to pay for petrol, how much you have to pay for the school fee and for the food that comes into the house every day. Like, why don't you show them how you get this big lump sum and you have to minus and minus and minus and minus and minus and you are left with so much. And with that, only with what's left, we can buy ice cream. Do we have enough for ice cream? What do you think? Why aren't we doing that with our children? Why is it a secret? You know, and this is what international communities or maybe schools with, I liked how you used like resourced, like schools with more resources are doing. I use a program at school. It's called the IBPYP. And that talks about inquiry. You have to follow children's inquiry. Children learn through questions. But you go into, even, I'm speaking even about my own friends. You go into their homes, their children are asking a gazillion questions. And they're like, yo, this child, hey, you ask your teacher, me, I'm tired. And it's like, no, you are the first teacher. You are part of the learning community. It's the, ta- it's the child, it's the teacher, and it's the parent. If one of these doesn't function well, this child is in trouble. If the teacher doesn't function well as a teacher who provides proper opportunities or who doesn't pay attention to the child to realize, oh, this child, hmm, he's a kinesthetic learner. If he's not moving his body, he's not going to learn anything. If you don't have a teacher like that who can translate the same information to the parent, then the community doesn't work. The child won't benefit. Or if you don't have a parent who is in tune with their child, who pays attention to their child, who can inform the teacher and say, hey, listen, when it comes to my little Johnny listen, if it doesn't have anything to do with soccer, forget I have a child who uh, we work with outside with a ball and if it's not presented with Liverpool versus Chelsea like math is ridiculous to him it doesn't make sense you know but to teach those core core um uh, concepts in math, you have to present them in a way that he will easily absorb or he will easily interact with. And so you have to pay attention to our children. And that's like, this is, it sounds like it's a lot to ask, but it's actually what you are already doing. Just be aware that you are doing it so that you can make the child aware that, hey, this is also happening at home. Remember when we had to bake and you had to measure Yeah, that's what your teacher is talking about when they say you're learning about measuring in grams. That's exactly what we were doing at home when we, but no one is drawing the connections for the children and that's where the gap is. And that's why well-resourced schools have children that come out and they're confident and they know, and they're like, yeah, I'm going to be a painter and they're successful. And if I have a child who comes from a, less resource schools and and they're like i'm gonna be a painter a painter for who you know even even the parents are like what you're going to be they don't see the bigger picture that actually this child is well equipped you know they've got skills they've got like um attitudes and like you know proper like stuff that can make this work and nobody believes that they do have these things because nobody was there to equip them with with it and that's why like um you know when you have children you you even have (laughs) i have a relative in-law relative who's who's taught her children so much from birth 
that you are going to be a pilot, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a this, you're going to... And I'm like, what happens to their lives? Like, what happens when life starts happening? You know, what are you... Are they going to be disappointments to you? Because that's what you're teaching them, you know? If they come home and say, you know, mom, actually, I want to be an architecture. I don't want to be a pilot. Like, is it like a disappointment now? Because you've schooled them so much. Like, it's an unlearning of generations and as parents we need to be willing to unlearn and relearn so that we can advise our children and lead them or guide them in 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 the in the not right paths appropriate paths because there isn't like one right path you know so yeah, inquiry is important. Let the child inquire. Let them ask questions. And if you don't know, say you don't know. Don't say, hey, you asked so many questions. Say, I don't know. Let's try and find out. Can, can we check on Google? Do you think if we, if we ask Google that question, it'll give us an answer? Let's check on Google. You know, do you, they know how to use the phone. Give them the phone and say, check on Google. Use the phone for that. You know, you don't know how to spell a word. Well, let's check on Google. You can't believe how many people have smartphones and they can't even spell check. And you're like, so how are those people, how do we expect those people to be the people that, um, you know, are guiding children to say, hey, you have this wonderful resource. It's called a smartphone. You may not be in the nice fancy schools, but you've got a smartphone. You've got access to the internet. You know, I will guide you. What do you want to know? What do you want? What, what interests you? These are the questions, Chulu, that I ask on a daily basis to my students. It's called personal inquiry. It's just made fancy, but it's something that you can do. Ask your child. And sometimes you don't even have to ask. When you look at your child, you can easily tell, mm, I think my child is in, into fashion. Hey, the way she's always playing with these dolls and changing their clothes and putting this. And the next thing she'll say, mom, please, can you sew here or whatever? Those are the foundations of a designer. When you listen to their stories, that's why they say, like, I used to dress my teddy bears. I used to dress my dolls. I, I always wanted to make a dress for myself. And who's picking those things? Who's picking up those cues right now? You know, it's our responsibility as parents to be attentive. You know what? I, I think you said something very important in there um, when you were saying unlearning. So I think as parents, we need to recognize that we need to unlearn the way that we learned because <laughs> I think that a lot of times, you know, we went to the schools that were, you know, just regurgitate what is in the book, just, um, you know, whatever the teacher says, that is the law that is always going to be right. There's no questioning them. There's no conversation, no discussion. There's no free thinking, you know? Yeah. So those are the types of schools. That's the type of um, process that we went through. And we have to get to a point where we say, okay, how, what is the, what is the, how is the, how has the narrative changed 
right now for our children because again i'm just gonna go back schools back then were made like we are you know we are factory workers that will always say yes 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 we don't think for Mm. ourselves you understand so now we're in a, a society where we want to develop it and to develop it we need creative thinkers we need independent thinkers people who are able to think outside of the box to imagine to dream of things that have never been seen before but if you're going to use mm-hmm. the education that we have right now and think that that's going to happen it won't work like it just won't work. no so you know it's it's oh my goodness now and what you also said i really liked in terms of you know how your mom was teaching you new skills now i often say um that i feel that the boy is uneducated and left behind because we're always talking about educate the girl child, educate the girl child. But at the end of the day, like you said, there is formal education and then there's the informal education. And for the girl child, the informal curriculum is so particular. It it is like instituted. You know what I mean? There is like this whole formula. This is how it's done. Okay. You're going to, you know, you start off with baby steps, like, Oh, put away. Like you send them like, Oh, go put this away here. Go put this away here. And then it's like, okay, you can wash the dishes. Then, okay. You can clean this area. And then, you know, the area gets bigger Then you can, you know, so it's like, this curriculum and we don't see it that way because we haven't been told to see it that way, but we do have a curriculum that educates girls at home, but we don't do the same for the boys. You can literally get that same curriculum and give it to the boys, but we don't do it anyway. Um, Or you can make something that's a bit altered, which is fine. But I always think that the boy child in this day and age is so I'm educated and we really need to, especially in the informal curriculum, the informal education, we really need to step that up. And then my Mm -hmm. last thing is, guys, there is no one who is going to teach your child about financial literacy. They don't teach it in schools. They don't teach it in secondary school. They don't teach it in secondary school. And then you're like, oh, my child is going to university. I, they're going to learn. They're not going to learn financial literacy in that university. Meaning when they get into that job, which you have been dreaming about them having, and they see money that they've never seen before, they won't know what to do with it. You have to, have to, have to be very deliberate about financial literacy for your children because it is not even addressed anywhere in the education system, which blows my mind. This is something that everybody does every day. Everybody needs every day, but oh no, the government education, not even thinking about it. There's my rant. But is, is, it, is, it, is it something that um, surprises you? I'm not surprised. Mm. It needs to be in that way so that black people or are like the less fortunate remain in a certain like um social class it needs to be that way okay do you feel that i don't even know how to say it so for example we have like in zambia right um we got our independence in 1964 we're talking about oh we want to um, adva- you know, we want to be independent from colonial rule and uh, we want our people to have all these opportunities, da, 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 and all of that kind of stuff. So who is oppressing who? So now it's like black people are oppressing black people. You know, it's black on black oppression. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> and no, we've, we've, you know, it's like, or people just... No, but it, it has. 
Let me, Chulu, I had the most culture, like, I, I keep having such culture shocks in Zambia. Mm. Um, the, the way you're explaining the boy child and how, I mean, I'm not saying it's not happening in South Africa, but in my community where I grew up, boys, like, did similar chores, if not um, more physically demanding chores around the household, and it was normal. Where I grew up, my community, on Saturdays, every household, everybody was up. Like, our moms were just, that's just how we grew up. I know the boy um, opposite our home, he woke up at, like, 5 to do the garden. Like, I don't know what was happening in the house, but at a certain time, his mom was out hanging the washing and whatever. So, obviously, there was, like, a, a agreed upon thing that like on Saturdays we up and about guys like there's no one sleeping even in my home like at home with um my siblings my brother my brother shines the floor better than I do this thing of not raising like boys especially here in for me I felt it more in Zambia I was like you what like even with my husband I was like you don't know how to do what but how is that possible? Like, didn't your mother teach you these? Like, we've have we've had conversations, like, heated conversations where I'm like, why didn't your mom teach you this? And he doesn't know why she didn't teach him that, or if he even needed to know that. Like, listen, it's just, it just needs to stop. And who's gonna stop it? It's us. We are having the boy children. We are being the new parents. If we don't change the plot right now, nobody's going to change it. Our boy children that we have are going to grow up expecting those things from girl children, from whichever household, you know? And we have to stop that. Like, house chores are for everyone because essentially everybody wants to own a house. How are you going to, like, how do you upkeep your own house? It doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man. You have to upkeep your own house. It even goes deeper than that because I think a lot of times we want to downplay the skills that someone is learning by managing a house. That is basic economics. That is learning how to manage your resources. You know what I mean? So yes. now what happens is this boy child is, you know, he's just done this formal education, so he's an engineer or whatever, you know, lawyer, the things that we always want them to be. Mm. And then he loses his job. Manje, he can't look after himself. He can't think that, oh, maybe let me apply some of the skills that I learned in this space and go and learn it here. I always tell the story. So in the mines, um, when I was working in Ketwe, they, they, they let go of a lot of people, right, in Ketwe. Mm. They let go of a ton of people and then they were crying out, oh, government, government, save us, help us, all of this kind of stuff. And then the government, the president says, okay, fine, I'm going to give you land and I'm going to, and then you can, you know, you have that for, you know, farming and agriculture and whatever. These mm. men then respond by saying, oh, we are engineers. We went to school for engineering. We can't, okay. we can't <laughs> do farming. I'm like, you, I'm sorry, guys. I'm just going to be like, Frank, you eat jazz. Like somebody give me that land. A whole engineer could have made a whole plan of how you can do irrigation and being efficient. But you're... But where are the skills to... Where? Zero. 
zero connection zero <laughs> network is not working there's no connection hmm? where are the skills to the, the hey where are the skills guys zero like and and you know when you think when people say skills they think like just handwork no self management skills like can you solve your problems can you sit down and think about thinking skills and can you think about the situation you're in yeah hey? you communication skills can you write down a plan how am i going to make this one kwacha stretch for like a whole week or whatever you know what i mean that's a way of really expanding how you problem solve and we want to downplay these things that we learn at home you know what i mean but they're actually really strong fundamental skills they important let's do this so what is your advice for a, a parent that is let's say their their child isn't in the most resourced school like there i mean yeah. there are like some really resourceful schools that are super expensive and you're just like i can't even i can't even so what is your advice for that parent i think let's just remember that as as parents we are raising people who are going to be adults like let's just keep that in mind because childhood is a foundation a childhood is a foundation like i can't say that enough a childhood is a foundation all of us have a little girl inside of us or a little boy inside of us that we are pleasing or that we are making proud that we are changing the narrative for so as a parent let's just be the people that help our children to have the little boys and little girls that they look back to and say hey look at us you know things that are happening around your child for your child make them aware of it there's no there's really no reason why you need to keep things a secret from your child learning happens automatic you can't help it just make it explicit to your child that oh you see you woke up you brushed your teeth now you know we're not going to have to deal with like bad teeth or whatever or this is you helping your teeth like learning is consistently happening everywhere don't seek it as if it's this far fetched thing you have to prepare a lesson and sit your child down no it's not that even children are forever learning around their environment just be aware of it and make them aware as well because i think that's where the connection is being missed you don't have to teach the concepts like so hard that are going to be taught in school if you can teach your child to be a critical thinker to solve their own problems when they're crying especially children who have reason who have communication when they're crying you say but what do you want and they are able to say and say okay that's a problem how do you think we can solve it you know like how do you think you can solve it will solve your many many questions that your child asks and all the way until they're 18 like that is your that's your golden ticket ask your child how do you think we can solve that i want ice cream now okay you know you can't have ice cream before meals so what do you think we can do how can we solve that cuz that's a problem you know speak to your children like people who understand 
don't baby talk your children. It doesn't help. They are mimicking you. They are trying to sound like you because nature says they are going to grow up like you and be as big as you are. So do you want big people who are babies? No. So don't, (laughs) you know? So yeah, speak to them and let's raise our children into the adults that we want them to be. And just be aware, be aware, every, be mindful, not mindful. Yeah. yeah I, think that's I love nice. it. Have you watched um, Blood Sisters yet? Not yet, but I've seen like, and I was like, okay, this I need to sit for. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I can't do a spoiler. Anyway, there's a demon child in there who is male. And I'm just like, I don't understand how women raise a demon child and then unleash him into the world for someone's daughter to marry. Like, come on guys. Like we just need to be a bit serious when we think, when you look at, them, you look at your, your child, this is going to be someone's, somebody, their babe. Like raise them into something that is nice to be with. Like don't be putting out demon children. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard. You know, having children is a correct way of saying what you (laughs) Listen, raising children, and I think the same as education, it's such a, it's not an easily resolvable thing. It's a day-to-day process. There's no book. Even the books on education and the books on raising children, they don't say it all. They'll give you ideas. Even me speaking right now, I won't say it all because every day comes with new challenges. And I like what you were saying about curriculum. Why are we still teaching curriculum like of 50 years ago? It doesn't apply right now. We need to upgrade the problems to the problems that we're having today and let the children of today solve those problems because these are the things they go through each and every day. Like, it's not as hard as it sounds. I don't know how to put this. It's not as difficult as it sounds. You just need to be aware in the moment. Just be present in the moment and observe. The biggest thing that I use as a teacher is to sit back and observe. You will learn so much about a child when you just sit back and look at them, see how they solve problems without your help. Like friendship issues, mm, writing down, uh, putting their things away. See how they, what comes natural to them. That will tell you how you can assist them. Don't give them your solutions because that's how you process information. You know, let them do it. Yo, I could speak until the sun goes down. And continue the next morning. <laughs> yeah, so you just go through the night and you're still talking like this. Uh, it has been a pleasure having this conversation with you. I think I've been waiting. Guys, this is like who started in 2020, like, you know, two years to have a conversation about education. Where we just go deep. <laughs> Yo, and we still haven't really like hit gold, you know? Oh, diamonds. Like, we're still, like, on layer one. Layer one of soil. Like, we're getting there. I feel like we need to come back and, you know, have conversations around, for example, let's say if your child has got special needs, especially if yeah. 
settings, like African homes, like, you know, when you're in, um, let's say, well-developed countries, they've got the schools and stuff, but even then, sometimes they're not even getting the support they need, you know what I mean? And it's it's that whole situation with differently abled children, and there's different types of ables, because you you can have a child that is also, like you mentioned, that is well-advanced, but then we're not motivating them enough in, in the school yeah. they get bored, they start doing other things, or oh, no, the child is naughty. They're not naughty, they're just not stimulated. Like, you know Exactly. So you know there's exactly. so much in education that you can dive into. There's a lot. Like we need to There's a lot. It's so funny that you mentioned that. Sorry. Um I have an autistic child in my classroom and he is the most intriguing person to teach. Because it doesn't come as it's written in the books. No, ma'am. You know? So, yeah, that's worth a conversation for sure. I look forward to that. Yeah. And for me, the other thing I I just haven't been able to mention is I find that, for example, with a, a program like the IB, International Baccalaureate, which is very different from, like, it's inquiry based, you know, you're trying to make a learner for life. But I find that the the kids that come out of such a, a curriculum and then go into a world that is the, to- the total polar opposite, I think it can be a struggle as well because, you know, your whole life you've been learning like, oh, you know, you know be inquiry-based and then you go into this space and they're like, but who do you think you are? This is how yeah. that means. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing, like even... You know, I think all education programs will have a downfall. It's just a matter of how do we balance it? Because it's, it's, it's life. Your solution may not work for me, but it works for you. So it's a matter of, listen, like you guys are learning like this, but also this is how the world is operating. You may be 10 steps ahead of the world, but the truth is the world that we live in, operates like this how are you going to then merge the two you know what i mean yeah. and it's 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 just the again learning community working together to make sure that when they do finish they are ready to you know be clashing with people who are going to say who do you think you are and they can tell them like right on like no i'm asking a question no need to be you know People get so offended with questions. Like, they do. They do. Yes. A whole uh, We can write a book. You know. <laughs> okay, so that's, tell us how do people find you? Where? What are you working on um, apart from teaching? Like, is there anything we can support you with? Woo! There's so much. So, I have started running a, a business of bringing clothing from South Africa. Um, at cheap prices, like like not not big clothing, but like on order, I can get like just cute little pieces of clothing, and that's what we're starting with. My company name is Style Co. Uh, Kangote Three, the third, um, and also we have a delivery service, um, Kangote Logistics. Uh, we have a motorcycle, we being my husband and I, we have a motorcycle that um, we, we have right now. We're just starting up that one and would really appreciate a lot of support with that. Um, 
I'll send you the number. Yo, I don't know the number off by heart, but I can give my number. Um, so it's just a call or a WhatsApp on 076-138-2257. And we also are starting um, couples events because we found that we don't have a lot that we do together as a couple in Lusaka. What we can do is mainly like the club scene or church church events and what if you want just the middle ground you know just the meeting point so we actually have an event coming up in um on the 28th of may it's couples game night and we've hired out those life-size games and it's just 360 per couple at chillers in Roma. So we'd really, really love the support for that. There's limited space because we don't want to crowd up couples there. Like it's just a little small space. So yeah, we're going to have a lot of such events coming up that are hosted by my baby company, Stalco, and the big company, um, Cargo to Logistics. So we're just going to keep bringing up events. So people must be on the lookout. My Facebook page is my name, Deboho, Kangote the third, and my husband's name also Mashiva Kangote on Facebook. So if you can follow us, hit us with a friend request and to keep up with what we're doing. Also on Facebook, same names. That's so sweet. So now if you're not a couple, like can I come with someone? <laughs> Yes, of course, you can come with a good friend. You know, listen, what we're trying to promote is just giggles and playing games and just being chill. You know, for us, when when we're trying to think of things to do, it's like, let's go eat or let's go to the club. And it's always like, oh, I need to do my hair like this. And I need to, you know, put on this clothing or whatever, whatever. And this one is like, dude, just come in your jeans, come in your trainers, come in a t-shirt. Let's have fun. Let's be silly. Let's act like children. Let's be couples. Let's love on each other. No stress to it. No protocol. Like, just come. Let's have fun. Let's play. You know? (laughs) (laughs) That means like protocol, please, I beg. (laughs) Couples conference. Yeah, the can we relax guys like can we relax can we just chill and have fun and have conversations and get to know each other can we do that you know so that's what we're trying to push we're gonna have a few more events um yeah i don't want to say just yet but we're trying to have a few more events that will include also maybe some uh families like bring your family and we just chill and you know yeah, so we're going to start small, but check the space. Okay, girl. Uh, this has been fun. I've had a great time. And thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you for coming in and going in deep. Hey. <laughs> no, thank you. This is this is such a great um initiative and I must applaud you for it this is so beautiful I'm so happy that you really took me up on this and you still considered like we've met once and we just clicked and I don't know if people know this but I just want to put it out there like I'm so I'm I'm humbled thank you so much I I like I love talking oh I do emceeing book me I forgot to say that yeah so um 
Yeah, but I, I'm very, very, very humbled um, to have been invited and to, to do what I love, talk about education and just life in general. So thank you so much. Thank you for such platforms. They're important and they're necessary. Thank you for that. I will not go into deep because I feel like we already had a long conversation. <laughs> but I done said it. Our education system is broken. As educators, I think you need to demonstrate critical thinking for your students by introducing important content in areas where you see there is lacking in the curriculum. As parents, we all need to be more observant about what our children are actually learning. As far as I'm concerned, only you can support Supplement their education because institutional change in our education system right now might never happen. Might never happen, guys. So at Africana Woman, we give our guests roses right now all the time. Please find Tebuho on Facebook at Tebuho Ntibileng Kangote the Third. Tell her you heard her on the Africana Woman podcast. We love feedback. So let's continue the conversation around education and make sure you tag us so that we know you're having the conversation and we can jump in. In fact, I actually have a bonus. Hey, I have a bonus part of this conversation that you will find only on Instagram. Go check it out. Drama. <laughs> I remember when I was starting the Africana Woman podcast, I was a lost child. I was a lost child. No equipment, no systems, no training in editing. It was wild, guys. But two years down the line, I am so proud of the podcast and how far I have come. The mission of Africana Woman has always been to tell more African women's stories. Therefore, we are helping you start and maintain your podcast. I know there are people out there that are dreaming. Yeah, dreaming of doing a podcast. You can do it, girl. If you have a burning idea and you're interested in launching a podcast, but you don't know where to start from, contact us. That's the first step that will get you to where you want to be. Our contact is africanawoman at gmail.com and your story is so important. Now, my playground is Instagram. Find me at Chulu by Design. Tag me. Tell your friends about the Africana Woman podcast. And again, leave a review, especially on Apple Podcasts, because that helps us spread the word about the show to more African sisters out there. Talk to you soon. This has been a production of Africana Woman Media. Africana Woman Media.